the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here, back again with another episode of Summer School. And today we are talking a new Big 12 member in Cincinnati. And to do that, I'm going to bring on Chad Brindell of Bearcat Journal. Chad, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. You guys do a tremendous job covering all things Cincinnati. Uh, a pretty nice year to cover last year, 9-3, and three, played at a you know, top 25, top 30 power rating level, so wasn't wasn't too fluky. But a, a wild uh, final month or so with them moving to the Big 12, uh, the last season in the American Conference, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin and, and uh, Louisville grabbing, or excuse me, uh, Cincinnati grabbing Scott Satterfield from Louisville. That that had to be pretty, uh, pretty wild to do. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's Cincinnati, so I've been doing this 16 years now. The one constant is change. So you kind of <laughs> – you get in that groove and – you know, Luke Fickle had a, a fantastic six-year run at Cincinnati and, and decided he was ready to to try something new and, and head out to Wisconsin. Um, they go out, and I think one of the keys was they wanted to make sure they got a coach with some experience, uh, a guy that had run a program at a pretty high level, and that's what Scott Satterfield had done in Louisville and kind of was a surprise that uh, – Athletic director John Cunningham uh, did a great job keeping it under wraps. And then next thing you know, Scott Satterfield has announced and he's come in and he's he's done a good job in the transfer portal. They're off to a good start in the 24 recruiting class. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been positive so far. For sure. It, it's it's harder to replace a guy like Fickle, but I, I think your, your point about the experience there makes a whole lot of sense. Because there is, if you go with a guy who's never coached before as a head coach and joining the new league, there, there's a bottom out chance that you just probably don't yeah. want to don't want to accept there the offense last year did take a pretty good step back and in, in the 60s in, in their opponent just power ratings losing Desmond Ritter seemed like, like a, a fairly big deal I know we you, know, you chronicled that 
in the preseason. Um, the run game also took a pretty big step yeah. back and was not all that effective on a down-to-down basis. And teams just, if you look at the coverage stuff on, on PFF and elsewhere, basically like allowed them to throw the ball short if they could hit it and just tried to deny the explosive play over the top. Now they bring in Emory Jones with the Scott Satterfield offense. He just had a success with a running quarterback in Malik Cunningham. What what are you expecting out of Emory Jones? And and I guess I should ask you, is he actually uh, penciled in as the starter? Well, he would have been competing with Ben Bryant, um, and they competed in spring. And then coming out of spring, Ben Bryant entered the portal, uh, thought there was a pretty good chance he would be coming back, but then found a spot at Northwestern. So – with Ben Bryant out of the picture, all signs do point to Emory Jones. Uh, he is, well, he was a pretty good runner when he was at Florida, or Florida uh, but he didn't run almost at all at Arizona State. So I don't know if that was just schematic or if he was trying to prove he was a pocket quarterback, but Scott Satterfield runs a, a run-based outside zone, you know, zone read type offense. So I would expect Emory Jones to be asked to uh, carry the football a lot more than he did a season ago and maybe look a little bit more like the guy he was at Florida. Um, I think he's going to have to continue to improve as a, as a passer, especially on the short and intermediate stuff. Uh, that, that looked to be a little bit of an issue in spring ball, some of the consistency there. But uh, the, the way that this team looks and the way that they looked in the spring – I would expect a team that that tries to run the ball, you know, lean on the run, uh, and use that to set up the pass. So that should play into Emory Jones' strengths as a quarterback. At receiver, they lose Tucker and they lose Scott, two guys who I, I thought were just dynamite, especially yeah. in, in, in at the American level. They bring in six transfers at receiver. Who, who I guess, or at the early onset, can we say are are hits and are, are likely to play a lot? Well, um, uh, James Wiggins, not James Wiggins. That's He's in the NFL. The Louisville guy? Uh, D. Wiggins. No, D. Wiggins. Uh, <laughs> James Wiggins is a former Bearcat in the NFL. Uh, D. Wiggins it looked to, to have a really good spring. Uh, the Donovan Ali, a, a transfer out of Washington State, another guy that, that looked to solidify a starting spot. There are a little bit of questions still in the slot. Um, you know, uh, Barry Jackson, a freshman, had a, a really good spring. So that's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, in that wide receiver room is do they or do they not end up with Florida transfer Xavier Henderson? Because hmm. if they do, that gives them, you know, a, a pretty strong look at that room. Not only did they lose Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott, they lost everybody. That wide receiver room has one returning player in Chris Scott. The entire wide receiver room uh, has flipped. So uh, that's been a big challenge for this staff. That has been a huge point of emphasis in the transfer portal is trying to restock that re receiver room. Uh, with D. Wiggins and with Donovan Ali, I think they've got two top-of-the-roster type guys. And then if you add Xavier Henderson into that, uh, he's been crystal ball to Cincinnati. A lot of indications are it's going to be Cincinnati. He's a quiet kid. I think there's a chance that it's one of those situations where he doesn't even announce. He's just – in class one day uh, coming up here this summer. Um, we've seen that a couple times with the portal where guys just aren't interested in in making a scene of things or making it public and they just show up and go to school. Uh, I think that might be the case with Xavier Henderson. But if you add him into that room, that room starts to look uh, quite a bit more uh, reliable. 
If you think back to the 2020, I want to make sure I have my timeline right here. Yeah, so if you think back to the 2021 squad, yeah. uh, Tyler Harrell on Louisville uh, was a, a, a Satterfield did a nice job using him as that super speed deep threat guy. And Henderson obviously was a pretty good track star. I, I live down here in Florida, so I'm very familiar yeah. with, with his track game. Uh, you, you can kind of kind of pull some stuff from what they did with Tyler Harrell. Har- Harrell transferred to Alabama last cycle and didn't get to play much for the tide. He got hurt uh, and, and has since transferred on again. Uh, but certainly Satterfield knows how to use a deep threat off all that play action stuff they like to run and could set up some easy throws for Emory Jones. I, I, I could see that being a big help. If they well, they play together, so yeah. two guys that know each other as well at Florida. Right, exactly. Um, now, five of the top six offensive linemen are also gone. I feel like we're just talking about an entirely new team here. The offense uh, is almost brand new. I mean, this is a ton, and they, they do land, what, three transfers, I, th- I think? Yeah. Is this oh I don't think this line was amazing last year. They had some guys who got voted like, honorable mention all, all American conference. Uh are are you expecting a step back here? It's gonna be interesting. I mean, okay. they, they definitely underperformed last year because if you go back to the 21 season, they had three first team all conference linemen that returned. Yeah. And that were back on that line last year. And they just didn't, I don't know if it was they they changed offensive line coaches. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, not having Ron Crook, uh, who was there before. He's now the offensive line coach at Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know if that changeover to Mike Cummings never really took place. Uh, didn't take hold, I guess, is the right the right answer or the right word. Um, yeah, they should be pretty good at center. Gavin Gerhardt is is back there. Uh, you get Trevor Radosevich out of the Ivy League uh, that, that is slotted in at one of the guards. Luke Kandra from Louisville will be one of the, probably the other starting guard. Uh, so I think the interior should be really good. The question is going to be a tackle. They brought in a transfer in Philip Wilder. Uh, they just got a transfer from Kentucky uh, that is a little bit small, but has played tackle, at least has some experience there. Um, he's only 6'3", but does have long arms. Um and his name is is slipping my brain right now. I um bah, 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 bah. Uh, DeAndre Buford. DeAndre oh, Buford. sorry. Okay, sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, from there, you're kind of trying to figure out what exactly is your plan at left tackle. Um, you've got a returning guy there that, that has struggled a little bit, John Williams. Uh, in, in picking up left tackle, do you maybe see if you can fit Goodwin in at left tackle? Then what do you do at right tackle? Or maybe Wilder, Philip Wilder moves over. And then you also have Cam Jones, um, a name you might remember. He was a four-star quarterback and switched to tight end. And then now he's a six-foot-eight, 340-pound offensive lineman. Um, so wow. good size and athleticism, just he hasn't, he hasn't taken really any snaps yet. So you've got bodies there, but you don't have anybody that's proven. You don't feel nearly as good about the outside as you do, you know, those three guys that you've got on the inside. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. That's fantastic. Dang, okay. Uh, And it is very, very difficult to find tackles in the transfer portal, honestly. Schools Defense do a lot to make sure they don't enter the transfer portal. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the ones that go in, um, I mean, it's it's very hard to find those. And like some yeah. teams, I think, do a lot to make sure that like the guys that aren't even starting but have a real future, they they make sure oh, that they, they lock them down too yep. as well. Um, the defense carried this team last year pretty heavily, and they have some interesting losses and some interesting pieces coming back. The, the big one – to me at least, although Literally. I guess not to the NFL. Yeah. I, Ivan Pace, uh, be, being gone. Uh, yeah. This dude was all over the field. 131 tackles. Havoc rate was off the charts. I guess the NFL doesn't feel quite the same way, but I mean, I watched a decent bit of Cincinnati. He, he really, people were not able to block him. Just super disruptive. Yeah. Uh, they also lose what Wilson Huber, an, another linebacker. What do they have now? Bush, yeah, like uh, Javon Hicks. What so, do they have kind of backer and edge? So Dorian Jones came in uh, from Louisville. He was a guy that, that Louisville wanted to keep uh, and looked to be like he was going to be a starter at Louisville next season. He came with the new staff. He'll be one of the, the middle linebackers. Uh, the other one looks right, like right now it's going to be Jack Dingle, who is a really highly touted uh, three-star kid out of Louisville Trinity uh that the Satterfield staff was familiar with they recruited him hard uh at Louisville but his dad played at Cincinnati back in the the late 80s so he was a legacy he looks to be I mean he's six four you know six four and a half 230 pounds big physical kid so those two guys are are probably going to be your starters in the middle uh it's funny you mentioned Ivan Pace his brother Deshaun who was phenomenal and had a hundred and 10 tackles, I think 107 tackles in 2021, took a little bit of a backseat to his uh, older brother last year. And they've kind of moved Deshaun from that strong side linebacker spot to now he's kind of a, they call it the star position, which is a nickel hmm. essentially. But he has he trimmed down. He looked great in spring ball, uh, playing a new position. So he's going to be in the nickel. Uh, and then the the weak side linebacker, um, Dan Greziak, is one of the highest rated by Pro Football Focus, one of the highest rated returning edge rushers in the country. He's listed as a defensive lineman, but they're playing him at more of an outside stand-up linebacker. So when you look at it from the field, it looks more like an old 3-4. Okay. But it's not technically because one of the guys is more of a safety hybrid and the other guy is more of a defensive end hybrid. So a lot of times there's only two actual like true linebacker positions on the field in this defense. But I I think they're comfortable with the two guys they have. That makes sense. Uh, Up front, you get Phillips back, you get Briggs back. 
you have to feel decent about the the interior, especially if if Corleone takes a step, right? Like th- this should be yeah. the most like the most dependable part of the defense, or at least the one you can count on the most right now. And you also have Malik Van back, um, yeah, that's right. Who who was hurt last year and and you know missed. I think he he got to the first quarter of the second game and tore his pack, uh, and then so so he's going to be back as well. That's by far your deepest uh, unit on the team, without question. And you know you still got some some guys behind them. Uh, you've got Justin Watley, you've got Jamal Williams, you've got Rob Jackson, uh, all looking to kind of crack into that rotation uh, and provide depth. Um, Derek Shepard, who was a, at one point a four-star guy, another Ohio defensive tackle uh, behind Corleone. So there's there's a lot of depth there. And um, if they play into that strength, which Louisville led the country in sacks last year. Yeah. So if they play into that strength, they should be they should be pretty strong up front. They're going to have to generate a pass rush, I, I would assume, with what they lose there in the secondary. Javon Hicks is gone. Shepard's gone. Um uh, Anquan Bush, I believe, is also Bush, gone, yeah. right? So they took two transfers, and at least two, maybe more now. What's the secondary looking like, and are, are they going to be able to play the style that they want to play? I think Jordan Young, who transferred in a corner, is going to be excellent. I think okay. he looked really, really good in spring. Um, I know Florida did not want to lose him, another guy that, you know, Cincinnati was able to – That's I think that's kind of a, the, the thing you have to find out in the portal these days is – was the school looking to move on from this kid? Yes. Or was it a kid that they were trying to keep? And I think that's important when you're assessing, you know, what your transfer hall looks like. Jordan Young was the guy that Florida wanted to keep. And, and he looked really, really good. Uh, they have a four-star opposite him that is returning and has kind of been, I don't want to say buried because he played a lot last year, especially in the nickel and Sammy Anderson. He's moving back outside. Um to play the the field spot and he had a pretty good spring i think him and and justin harris uh and a couple others will compete for that field spot safety um that's going to be interesting you lost the guy that they thought was going to be an impact guy in armorian smith he transferred at the end of the spring uh brian threats returns uh, as as a starter and it looks like taj ward uh, who feels like he got here when Tommy Tuberville was here. Uh, he's been like a utility. He's played nickel. He's played outside. He's played safety. Um, he looks like one of those safeties along with uh, DJ Young that transferred in from Arizona State. Those two, those three guys between threats, Young, and uh, and Ward look like they're going to be rotating through at safety. So well, that, there's that talent the there. COVID year for Ward, right? It, yeah. I mean, I okay. think he was 2018 or 2000. 17 might yeah, be it's yeah. 2017 so he's yeah, a seventh year guy then okay it's, it's sixth or seventh and i don't know it just feels like he's been here for a long time nice. <laughs> absolutely um chad where, where would you say is the biggest drop off between the quality of starter and the backups uh, which, which position group and, and not not quarterback since everybody would think most people would say quarterback if they could yeah that that would be that would be the simple one uh, maybe a position that we haven't talked about yet at tight end. Hmm. Uh, they have a young guy that looks to be kind of next in line. He he was behind Josh Wiley and Lenny Taylor, um, who are both in the NFL now last year and, and dealt with some injury issues. But his name's Shaman Mateo. You might remember him 
mm-hmm. being a Florida guy, you know, this kid's six, five, 250 pounds and runs, you know, high four, four, low four, five, um, big physical can play in line, can, can catch, uh, a really, really strong tight end option. Uh, and, and Satterfield does like to use the tight end a lot as most run based yeah. you know, systems do. The question from there is, is what's behind him. And, you know, they, they went and got a kid named Joey Belgian from Western Kentucky in the transfer portal. And then he blew out his knee in the spring oh. and he was looking to be that guy that was, you know, the one, two punch with Mateo. Now you're relying on maybe a guy named Peyton Singletary, who is more of a pass catching, you know, Josh Wiley type, not quite the six, seven, you know, monster that Wiley was, but right. a, a guy that can make plays down the field with his hands, but you're not going to use him a, a ton blocking. Uh, from there, I mean, it's it's up in the air. They do not have a lot of depth in that room at this point. Luke Fickle had two tight ends committed for 2023, and both of those guys left, uh, you know, when the coaching change happened and ended up signing elsewhere. So that's a room that that has been a really important part of what Cincinnati does. Travis Kelsey, Brent Selleck, like the, mm-hmm. the list of Cincinnati tight ends goes on and on. There's one guy that looks like he's next in line, but there's not a lot behind him uh, that that has proven itself to be, you know, a, a weapon. So that's one room when we get to summer camp that I'm going to have definitely have a a very close eye on to see how that progression has happened over the summer. No, no doubt about it. Chad, Bearcat Journal, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate it, bud. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, welcome back. Bud Elliott here, and this is my college football summer school series on the Cover 3 podcast. And today we are talking Virginia, and for that, I'm going to bring in Jack, Jackie Franchuli of Wahoo's 24-7. Jackie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. Good, good to see you again. Long, long-time colleagues here when you were in Florida and, and, and now, obviously, at Virginia. Uh, 2022 was a, on the field, uh, a, a rough start for the Tony Elliott era at UVA, three and seven off the field, obviously you know, much tougher with, with, with the tragic ending and the shooting. Because this is a, a shorter show, we'll we'll keep this more to the to the on field. What before, obviously the, the the end. What what surprised you? And I guess what did you know after viewing fall camp that was probably likely to happen there? Yeah, so I think what surprised me was really the lack of cohesiveness on that offense. I know they were going to struggle early on because of the offensive line, obviously coming in, having to get a whole new offensive line group was always going to be a challenge for Virginia. 
but I thought they had enough offensive skilled pieces that had worked together that could they can kind of uh, play around it just for the first couple games, but eventually there will be cohesiveness on that offense. We never saw it. So I think that was definitely something that, although we saw a little bit of fall camp when we were, we were looking at last year, I, I didn't see, I didn't expect to see that much during the season. And I think when you look back now, you think, okay, it makes sense when you have a coach that came in a situation like Tony Elliott did, there was a lot of buy-in factor that was just not there for Virginia as the season went on. And you couldn't see that on the field. And I think that was the big difference and the, the kind of the variant that we, the variable we weren't really focusing on last year. So 120th in offense last year adjusted for opponent, and they didn't make any coordinator or coaching changes. Did that surprise you that they just rolled everybody back? Not really. Um, obviously, they're you know they they did have a couple of like you no know, wide receiver coach Marcus Higgins now at Penn State. They uh, uh, they uh, brought back Adam Mims, um, promoted him on the offensive side of the ball. But it didn't surprise me because a lot of what these coaches have been saying was last year they were trying to bring in their scheme, and now they're trying to get the pieces in there. So it wasn't surprising that there wasn't any offensive staff changes because they believe now they do have those pieces, obviously bringing in their own quarterback, Tony Musket, the transfer out of Monmouth. That is who they see this offense being led by. They're also recruiting their own guys. So as you know, bud, coaches want their own guys on their team. So once Brennan Armstrong transferred to NC State, now they think, okay, now we have an offense that we can produce ourselves this is this is the guy so now this is really when the coaches are on the clock right this is when these are their guys now leading the offense these are their players that they expect to have success in this offense so this is when you'll probably see a little bit more of a grading scale as you well for this virginia offense so let, let's let's go there to quarterback brennan armstrong uh in in 2021 a really very strong year and they bring back a lot of the same offensive skill in 2022 Seven touchdowns, 12 picks. You mentioned the offensive line. We'll, we'll kind of focus on that unit in a second. But he leaves. He was also, interestingly, their, their leading rusher uh, last year, if, if you remove the sacks. So Tony Musket is, is the guy. What, what did you see from him in spring? So what we saw and what we've heard, because Virginia allows us just to see maybe like 10 minutes or so of practice, which is basically just warm-ups and individual drills. So what we've heard a lot from practices and we saw in the spring game is he has a cannon of an arm and he's very accurate. Now, the one thing that I've been told several times by sources within the program is they've been very impressed on how quickly Tony Musket has learned the actual game book. So that is what a lot of people have been impressed and also the chemistry that he's been able to build with the skilled players. So a lot of people have been impressed behind the scenes of what they've seen of Tony Musket. And we saw in the spring game his ability, ability to throw an accurate ball down the field one of the first passes he threw was a long touchdown to jr wilson who then shrugged off tavon kyle to the touch to a, for a touchdown so tony musket does have the ability to throw long balls and accurate long balls that's something that last year when you looked at you know game film a lot of the stuff a lot of a lot of things were rushed for brendan armstrong not a lot of it was his fault in early on in the beginning i mean the o-line wasn't giving him much time to pass the ball i mean he was probably one of the most pressured quarterbacks in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. So, but there were times when Brennan would, wouldn't take the sack and he would lose yardage or then have a turnover. Though some of those decision makings were still an issue towards the end of the season. So, what, they're, what I'm hearing is Tony Musket has the ability of having those split game decisions that you would expect from a quarterback. And that's what a lot of people are really excited about. And obviously, 
he's a prototypical quarterback that Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings want. So again, this is the year where you're saying, okay, this is the offense that you want. This is the guy that you want. So show me what you have on the offense now. Major question for me on the, on this squad, it more than quarterback. And that's, that's certainly I'm encouraging to hear, I think about musket and, and, and the arm strength. They did lose their top five receivers uh, mm-hmm. off last year's team. I, I mean, Jack, I've done about 50 uh, you know, preps for these, and I think it's about the 35th one we've shot. I haven't seen that yet. It, what is this receiver room going to look like? Because they're really starting from scratch. They, they did go the portal pretty heavy here. Yeah, so the good news for Virginia is they did have success in the portal, bringing Malik Washington, who's going to be good for them in the slot. So because they're lo- losing Kemp, obviously, who went to transfer to Nebraska. Um, losing Dunhaven Wicks, who went to the NFL. That's also a big loss for them. So right now, it's a very inexperienced group. And honestly, there was some talk that they might want to have gotten another wide receiver in a transfer port during a spring period, but ended up going the DB route because that's another position where they, they lack depth or experience depth anyways. So for the wide receiver, it's going to be a very young, experienced, inexperienced group. Now, the good news is one of the guys returning is Malachi Fields, which has shown a lot of good flashes for Virginia. Last year, he was hurt which is why you didn't hear a lot of his name pop out. But he's a local kid. Um, you see a lot of talent from him. And he's going to be one of that big threat for them. You know, they want to expect more Demeek Starling, who is a very speedy Virginia wide receiver. He was doing track and field this past season. Um, and I think you're going to see more of him. Um, then you're going to see freshmen like, uh, well, um, sophomore now, J.R. Wilson. He's a guy that I just mentioned. He's a big able body. He had a little bit of muscle to his frame. And then, honestly, I was a little surprised at this. I expected him to be a playmaker for Virginia, but not this early. Early enrollee, Jaden Gibson from Georgia, who broke a lot of records in the high school ranks, he kind of emerged during spring practice, um, not only as a returner, but also as someone who might fight for some reps at wide receiver. He impressed a lot of the coaches, obviously had a lot of normal struggles that you expect from a freshman. But towards the middle of spring, he was getting a lot of reps with the ones and twos. So, again, this wide receiver unit is going to be very young. So the balance there is having a very experienced running back room that has a lot of pass catchers there as well. So you're going to probably see Xavier Brown in the slot, the sophomore. You're going to see possibly, um, you're going to, you're going to probably see Mike Hollins gets a couple of passes, which is what you were seeing last year as well. So you're going to probably see some of that running, the running back, some of those playmakers go in there as well to kind of help with that passing game. Especially early on, and, and the the schedule early is is not particularly forgiving. I mean, Tennessee, J, you know, JMU, which was a pretty good Sun Belt team last year, and and Maryland, which uh, Maryland did lose a ton. So I, I guess we really can't speak with uh, with certainty about them yet. All right, we have to do it. The offensive line. Uh, now they do lose. I think they're three best offensive linemen, but best is a relative term here because I mean this was one of the worst Power Five groups we've seen in. I don't know. I think that Wake Forest unit about 15 years ago was that maybe that like 07 or 08 when when they were just everybody left. Uh, probably the worst Power Five unit I've seen. But this is this was pretty bad. They go to the transfer portal three times here. It, can this group be the same or better than last year? Like it's not worse. I I think. No, no, it's it's, it's it can't be worse. Like I said, Brandon Armstrong was the most pressured quarterback yeah. in college football. I mean, he couldn't breathe, and that. And the end that had such so many repercussions because then it affected that mental clock that all quarterbacks have. So even when he did have time, he didn't think he did have time. He never trusted that he had that protection in front of him. So that affected for the whole season, even when the offensive line was better, 
it, it still wasn't working for Virginia. So I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think they have a with the additions of the transfer portal guys, you know, obviously Jimmy Christ from Penn State, that was someone that Virginia recruited out of high school. He's coming in, got Brian Stevens from Dayton, the best FCS quarter of FCS offensive guard, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, and then obviously um, you got you got Anana who came in from Houston and he's already participated in spring. He's also rotating on the ones. And you got Mikhail Boley, who was probably one of the most underrated prospects in the first class for Tony Elliott. He's going to factor in as a second-year Virginia player. He started a couple games as a freshman. He's going to be a good asset for them, a lot of experience. Last year, you had a couple of these guys that didn't have a lot of experience. Now they have experience. The, the only question I have is, how are they going to work together? Because, again, it's kind of like the same storyline you see from Virginia and a lot of other teams. It's, it's hard to get those five offensive line starters at the same time to build that chemistry. Sometimes you got to move a couple pieces around because of injuries. During spring, they had a couple of walk-ons come in. I mean, two of the transporter guys are still not on grounds right now. Obviously, they're coming in the summer. So you got to build that chemistry and build it quick. And just like you said, the beginning of the season is not forgiving for Virginia. There's no, let's get this going. Let's get this train started, get a couple of good, easy games or cupcake games. I mean, you start in Nashville against Tennessee in a neutral site game. So it's, it's, it's hard to kind of go like, welcome, welcome to college football, everybody. Um, so it is a little hard for that offensive line to kind of gel that quickly, but it, it does on paper. It seems like this team is going to be better, especially when you consider that the quarterback can release the ball a little bit quicker. That's going to be the key here. Absolutely. So let's, let's pivot over to the defense. Uh, this was a top, you know, kind of top 50 level defense. If you adjust for opponent, I, I think some of the, uh, the surface numbers may have been even better because, you know, they, when, when they were down team started just running the ball and kind of run the clock out. Am I correct to be pretty excited about this defensive front? Like they, they returned everybody who played at least 75 snaps. No, I think if you're a Virginia fan, you're going to be very, very, very excited about this defensive front. And honestly, this defense in general, Coach Rudd has done a great job with this defense, kind of turning it around from that year, last year under Bronco Mendenhall. And if you look at this defensive front, I mean, you've got Cam Butler back, Aaron Famui back, Jameer Carter, who is an NFL prospect back. You've got Chico Bennett, another guy who's getting intriguing um, talk among NFL scouts. All those guys are back, and that, there's a lot of depth on the defensive line. You've got Ben Smiley. Um, you've got younger guys coming up that have some experience in there. Um, at linebacker, I know you lose Nick Jackson, who is one of the vocal leaders there, but you also got other guys that are coming up. A, very, a, a lot of depth in that linebacker group, like Stevie Bracey. You've got Trey McDonald. You've got Josh Ahern, James Jackson. So you've got a lot of guys who have game-time experience. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about on the offensive line, on the offense, where a lot of young guys on defense, you have a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that know what it takes and know what the expectations are. Um, so I think that's going to be where Virginia has to kind of hang their hat on is kind of lean on their defense early on until the offense can get that same chemistry and that same um, kind of gel between the players because the defense is going to kind of take them over. I am interested in, in, in the Nick Jackson departure there at linebacker, just because Iowa recruits and develops linebackers so well, and and I think there is some signal to the decision there of Iowa saying, "Hey, we we need to fill the spot uh, that Jack Jack Campbell vacated when he got picked in, in, in the first round by the Lions, and, and they they chose to go after Nick Jackson. What kind of drop off, if any, are, are you expecting going from Jackson to to the replacement?" I mean, you're losing your leading tackler, so you're going to have some drop off there. I think a lot of what they, a lot of the coaches are saying is that they have 
a lot of confidence in that linebacker group and who they bring back. Um, so yes, you're going to expect some learning curve or a little bit of growing pains, but then you look at that linebacker group, a lot of them have experienced themselves. I mean, Josh Ahern played, James Jackson played, Stevie Bracey played, who is also from Atlanta and is close to Nick Jackson family. So they, they it's, it's kind of like they kind of gave the baton over to him. Trey McDonald has gained a lot of weight. He's a second year player, a redshirt freshman. You could see he added a little bit more to his frame, and the expectation is he's going to play more. He was one of the leading tacklers for the spring game as well. So, and then when you have like a guy like Lex Long, who's a safety on the roster, but his frame ad- allows him to be versatile, and you can see him being close to the box. So there's options for Virginia to kind of adapt a little bit if they notice there's a little bit of an issue at linebacker. That's not even factoring in Cameron Robinson, their top recruit of the last class, a four-star right here from the in-state of Virginia, Tappahannock, Virginia. I could see him possibly playing a role in that linebacker unit as well. So I think they're going to be fine as far as Nick Jackson. You, you lose, use that leader, which is hard, especially when you think you're losing Anthony Johnson, which is another vocal leader in that secondary. But I think there's enough veterans that we spoke about in the defensive front to kind of make up for that leadership vocal role. So in the secondary... I, I thought Virginia kind of sneakily because I, I think a lot of people nationally tuned them out when they started so poorly. I thought they had the best corner tandem in, in, in the ACC. I mean, Anthony Johnson didn't get drafted, right? But he did sign with an NFL team, I, I believe, the day after the draft or, or two days after. And then Fentrell Cypress was the number one or number two rated corner uh, by 24-7 sports in the transfer portal. He goes to FSU. What, who is going to attempt to step up and, and, and take the place of those guys because their, their numbers were off the charts. Yeah, we they they were called the yin yin yang of the Virginia football secondary because of their personalities. Spencer Stripes, the quiet guy, and Anthony Johnson, like I said, he was a vocal guy. You're good. It's Anthony Johnson is going to be very, very missed. And I think obviously look at his stats. You were saying they're the two best corner tandems in college football last year, underrated guys. But what he what he meant to the locker room is going to be tough to replace. Um, he was a transfer out of Louisville, but you never would have guessed it when you saw him on the field. I mean, I think I've seen Anthony Johnson more times in the last few months because every time he had an opportunity, he was still on grounds during spring with his players coaching that defensive back unit. So that's the that's the intangibles that you're missing with Anthony Johnson, which, as you know, bud, you you, you can't grade that. Those are the things that you're missing in the defensive unit. So right now, you're going to see Tavon Kyle. Um, he's a transfer that came in. He's one that Virginia recruited, and they believe he can really have an effect in that cornerback unit. I think you're going to see a lot more of him. They also recruited Malcolm Green from Clemson, another transfer um, from Highland Springs, a, a high school that Virginia would love to keep that pipeline going. His brother, Miles Green, is also an early, is also a signee that's coming in in the summer. And they expect those two to fight for some position time. And that's what they wanted to do when they went into the transit portal is one, they didn't expect Fentro Cypress to enter the transit portal. That was something they didn't, that was not in the game plan going in. That was something that was unexpected. So they knew you needed a recorder. They needed to get someone quick. Anthony Johnson, they knew they were going to lose. So that's why you received those two guys that are experienced. Now there are guys that possibly can get more role. They were injured in the spring, you know, like Elijah Gaines. He's a guy that's been on it in the UVA program for a number of years. We haven't seen them healthy. Like I said, we didn't see him during the spring. So it'll be interesting to see how much he kind of factors in to that depth at corner. So 
like the questions you have on defense, it really is the secondary. I think that is the main concern, especially at corner because safety. They have so many veterans on that group. They should be fine. They've worked together pretty well last year and they should be successful together. Those two corners are going to be the crucial kind of the cog to this defense to see how successful they are. And that's the big question going to fall camp, especially when Malcolm Green hasn't been on campus yet. So he's getting in in the next week or so. So, but yeah, they, they went into the transfer portal route on that one. Jackie, this is kind of an, an overarching question, but it just it popped in my head in going through some of these uh, you know, preview preps. A lot of these private schools are struggling in the transfer portal era because their administrations don't let them take uh, the, let's say, quite the, the level of academics uh, that some you know, some of the public schools do or, or, or some of the you know, more kind of diehard football schools do. Is, is Virginia facing that? Like I, I look at you know, Stanford, it's really, really hard to get transfers in there. Northwestern, you know, to some extent, a Vanderbilt, right? Whether it's grades or whether it's just which, which classes they'll actually take and, and, and which credits they will accept. How much have you heard about that with UVA? Oh, bud, uh, it's it's been it's been a problem. I think I did a whole podcast on how horrible it is for um the, at the transfer portal for Virginia because I know I think a lot of people don't realize it's not just about GPAs. I mean, during this whole transfer portal, I guess season between the two windows that there was for the transfer portal, I mean, there was a player from the Ivy League that couldn't get their credits transferred to Virginia because there wasn't matching classes. I mean, that's where we are when it comes to Virginia. Not only you have to figure out, okay, which classes can be matched credit over, but there's no general studies program. And they kind of kind of stick in there to kind of get those credits and match up side by side. So what you're looking at is a guy might transfer in, but you become ineligible because you don't have enough credits. So that's why whenever you look at Virginia, they try to recruit a guy that is either really early on in their college career so they can help get that credit catch up between their years of eligibility, or they go the grad transfer route. And the grad transfer route, you're then relying that he can apply to the grad school and get in. I mean, last year we had one offensive lineman who committed to Virginia and he didn't get in. So, and he was coming from a good school. He couldn't get into the grand transit program. So that is the, the grad program. So that is the problem that UVA is facing right now. And that's why when a lot of people th- say like, oh, maybe UVA should go the transport route to kind of reinforce because they see some of the NIL struggles that they're having in the high school route, that's not going to work for Virginia because you have so many hurdles you have to jump when it comes to the transport. I mean, Virginia has to navigate that with so, with so much balance because not only do you have to evaluate a kid for football, then you have to go through transcript, you have to go through admissions, you have to go through the grad school. I mean, there's a lot you need to do when it comes to this staff. And that that staff has been busy just trying to figure out who can actually get into the school or even talking about football. Special teams wise. So I, I may got to admit, I didn't watch enough Virginia to really memorize who their original kicker was. But uh, Brendan Farrell was really, really bad in place kicking duties. And I know he punted a little bit. Uh, Will Betridge was not great, but he wasn't quite as bad. And, and their punting was also pretty terrible on the year. Do they have any kind of solution or different players or any reason for optimism here with, with, with Betridge and uh, I guess the punter Sparks? Um, well, they are both still the starters at special teams. So we have Will Betridge and Daniel Sparks. Um, I think the issue that they had, and, and especially in relation to Daniel Spark, was coverage for that unit. Yeah. I think that was the bigger deal for him. 
I think individually, I think he did okay, but I think it was a coverage on that punt team. That has been something they worked on a lot. Um, I even saw them during spring practices, all the coaches were wearing their headset because a lot of the things that happened during the special teams were miscommunication issues. Guys weren't lining up. Guys on the sidelines were getting, they were getting penalties on special teams after a normal special teams timeout, coming out of timeouts here, coming out of a media timeout, coming out of commercial. I mean, that miscommunication is what was the major problem on special teams last year. So during the spring game, we didn't get to see a lot of that because a lot of the because the issue was a lot of the guys were hurt. So we didn't really see how far they've come with special teams. So you had guys that wouldn't normally be on special teams playing special teams. So we couldn't really evaluate where they are in that in that regard as far as the coverage team. But according to the coaches, they're more confident in that unit because they're working on the communication issues that they had on the sidelines. Because I don't know how many times you had wrong number guys on the field. You had guys who didn't know they were meant to go out there in coverage. So that was a main concern for them. I mean, I think they had delay of game a couple of times. I remember that Duke game. It was quite that Duke game, especially special teams cost them a lot. I mean, you had to feel for that defense in the game after the start, a good start from the defense, but the special teams just kept bringing them back on the field. So that has been something that Virginia knows is a problem. And what they've said is they're going to get possibly more starters on the coverage team too. Um, so that is something that they've been looking forward to. But most of the same faces like Will Veterans and Daniel Spark will be those that you're expected to see on that unit. Jackie, uh, where would you say, uh, other than quarterback, uh, is the biggest drop-off between the starters and the backups? You know, the position where they just have got to stay healthy because the backups, not, not to you know bag on college kids, but just are probably not ready uh, to play at that level? Uh, I think right now, I'm more worried about wide receiver because it's such a young group already. So I think an injury to that group, and I, although I, you would think I would say O-line, I think they have a lot of guys that's been in at least the program two years. But at wide receiver, it's just so young. I mean, right now, if you take out those veterans in there, and I mean veterans, I mean just uh, you know Malik Washington who's coming in from Northwestern, it's such a young group. And with Virginia, if you don't have a balanced offense, you're not going to be able to run the ball, which was an issue last year. And you have such talent in the running back room that if you can't throw the ball, you're just wasting that talent in the running back room. So I think the wide receiver group needs to stay healthy for Virginia um, so that they can have, you know, a chance to creating that balanced offense that Des Kitchings and Tony Elliott want. I mean, they don't want their quarterback to be the leading rusher. That's not something that they want. They want to have Paris Jones, Mike Collins, Kobe Pace, one of those guys step up to be a leading rusher. And I think if you don't have a healthy wide receiver group there, I, I think that will be their issue is they, they won't be able to have that balanced offense that they're striving for. Jack Franchuli, Wahoo 24-7. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, bud. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.